Greetings, listeners in listener land. Welcome to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston, where we size up current and historic events involving people, places, and things in areas such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, health, history, housing, humor, justice, and sports. While we originate from and connect the Gateway City to our country's current cultural fabric and lives, we're speaking nationally and internationally and galactically. One of the things I enjoy about St. Louis is the architecture and neighborhoods that have this unbelievable kind of buildings and houses, commercial buildings, and many of these have been built at the turn of the century. Now, I'm not talking about the 21st century. I'm talking about the turn of the 20th century. And some of these buildings, they need a lot of TLC, love and care, and not only here in St. Louis, but around the country. And one of the hardest things to do is to take in consideration how much are we going to be able to save this building? We're going to have to, if we're going to really renovate it and get it going, it's going to take income and neighborhood support and things like that. And we have two guests that are, have done this in the St. Louis area in a wonderful way. They've not only done it here in the St. Louis area, they've done it up in Iowa. And they have invested themselves. As a matter of fact, their mission statement, folks, you got to listen to this. We exist to strengthen and enhance the communities we operate in by redeveloping neglected neighborhoods and make them great places to live, work, and play. I want to welcome back Amrit and Amy Gill to St. Louis in Tune. Good to see you guys. Good to see you. Nice Thank to see you. Thank you for having us. I think this is your third time here. You guys win the award. Well, also because you're awesome. I don't know about that. <laughs> I enjoy talking to you guys because we share love for renovating older buildings and doing exactly what you're doing, making them great places to live, work, and play. And one of the things, and we've touched on this briefly in a previous interview, was this wonderful building, kind of Europe in the midst of Clayton. And I'll let you take off from there because I think that's a great way to describe it. It really is. It's it's like uh, an oasis in the middle of an urban. This is such a beautiful building. And we were recruited to come in and, and save it because if someone else had bought it, there was a good possibility it would get torn down. Really? High rise put in place because the land under the building is worth more than the building right. itself. Right. So because it is Clayton. And you're speaking specifically of what building, Amrit? This is the Seven Gables Inn. And it's a historic landmark, correct? Yes, it is. And one of the few left, actually, in that area. So you can go over there and see those those peaks. It looks like it's, what, a German kind of or... Tudor. It's an English English countryside. Okay, all right. So there we are. And you drive by it. I drive by it periodically and see that. And it's unusual that it was placed there like that. Do you know the history of why it was built like that? Or Yes. So the original developer of a lot of the neighborhoods around Clayton, it was a huge fan of that style of architecture. Okay. And he spent a lot of time in England. And so he wanted to build something that looked exactly like an English Tudor in the, in the countryside. And it's been a hotel for quite a while, hasn't it? Since 1985. Okay. But the building itself was built in 1926. Was it a single-family residence prior to that? It was his offices. He no actually kidding. built it as his offices. It was an architecture firm. Yeah. Wow. He built yeah. it for his architecture firm. And then after that, it was they added on to the back of it and made it into an apartment building. Okay. And that center area that you see that is actually the, yeah. an open courtyard. Wow. So all the way from front to back. Then they enclosed that the front part. center part right there and then made the courtyard in the back. 
but it was an apartment building. And we actually have friends who've come up to us and said, oh, I lived in that building. So it's like really funny. They were like, oh, I lived in that building. And when I got out of high school or college or whatever. So, so did you know that this was coming on the market at the time? Or We were, we did not. We were asked to, to okay. buy it. Okay, cool. But it, 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 these old buildings are the repositories of the stories of our people. That's a great way so to say that. Ways, right? Yes. And so there used to be a restaurant there called Shailen Bernard's. Arts. That's yeah. right, Bernard's. And there was a busboy who worked there. And guess what his name was? Danny Meyer. No kidding. Yeah. It was oh his dad's gosh. restaurant. It was his dad's restaurant. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so wow. he started his career right there in the middle of Clayton in this small little place called the Seven Gables Inn. And, folks, if you don't know who Danny Meyer is, you need to goggle him. I call it goggling. <laughs> and he is a big New York restaurateur and Union. Union Avenue. And just unbelievable kind of St. Louis Shake guy. Shake Shack. Shake Shack, Shack right? Yeah, yeah right? absolutely. He's a Shake Shack guy. Yeah. Wow. Which, he, yeah. Oh, my gosh. He started there so as a young young teenager. Well, isn't that a great bit of St. Louis <laughs> trivia? To let the listeners know, you all were—now, these are my words—you all were the group that got The Grove to where it is today. Because Thank I remember you. growing up, The Grove was like—my words. It was not a place you would want to drive through. It was a dump. And now it's a hot spot. It's a great place to be. It is, and it's, and it's getting better every day. Yes, it Actually, is. Actually, next month we'll finish our signature building across from Urban Chestnut, okay. which has the rainbow on the corner mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm. in the Nichiha panels, and that one will be placed in service next month. Okay, wow. So that's another 100,000-square-foot building with 60 apartments. We're talking to a very small boutique coffee roasting operation okay. to be on the first floor. Yeah, when you develop things like that, in in addition, I want to come back to Seven Gables, but when you develop something like that, you obviously have to have people in mind to fill the spaces rather than we're going to build it and then we're going to ask people. But you, what are you looking for when you want to fill those spots? Because it's a boutique coffee place, so it's a specialized kind of groups. Are those the specialized kind of groups that you're looking for when you fill these spots? So what we look for are, first of all, independent owners. Okay. One of our big goals in the Grove was to say no to chains. We really felt like in looking at some of the other areas in St. Louis that took that were really getting their legs in, and then all of a sudden all the chains moved in and right. it hurt them. Right. And so we said, what we don't want, we want we don't want chains, we don't want drive-throughs, we want local owners who will stay, who will invest. So, for example, uh, Rui Yawitz at the Gramophone, we built out the space for him. He now owns his building. Several of the people that have grown in the Grove have bought their buildings from us. Right now we're finishing Everest, just did a big expansion and they will end up buying their place from us. And it solidifies the community, right? Right. Because those are owners who live local, who um, care about the neighborhood, who will stay long-term and be part of the fabric of the neighborhood versus some big corporate place who says, oh, the pandemic, just close it. These are people who are going to stay and keep the neighborhood vibrant and alive. That's a great way to do that. There is, there is a personal investment there rather right. than a, a corporate investment with that. So 60 apartments? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And then we'll continue to do other things in the Grove. But at this stage, what we can do is to do those new builds to show people that you can't have a really dense, vibrant neighborhood there. Yeah, and even in in Clayton, with this 
what I'm going to call a European oasis here, that you go there, you also, and Amy, you talked about having local kinds of small business people. You had some local uh, and local artists, Fern Taylor, do the artwork. Talk about that relationship and how you came upon Fern and, and what her styles. <laughs> I know there's a story here. So Fern is an old friend. I can't even remember where I met Fern, but we started talking about art and she was showing me her art and it's so incredible. And I don't even remember the first thing I bought from her was for me personally. Mm-hmm. And I we just her be the one in my office. Yeah, her the, art the red clicks trees, yeah. with people. I feel like people really love it. And I think she's like an unsung treasure in St. Louis mm-hmm. because she's such a fantastic artist. Mm-hmm. But then once we started putting her art in there, we started saying, well, you can't just do all Fern. So we started buying other local artists like Andy Cross, who's famous in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And then as the Clayton Art Fair came about, we started buying other like regional artists and putting regional artists. So my goal is eventually that every room at the Gables will have different artists displayed in every room. But they'll all be people that we bought locally that are local people that you can really enjoy. There's a photographer, and I feel bad. I can't remember his name, but he takes pictures of Ted Drew's and like local St. Louis places, mm-hmm. vintage vinyl. And I bought a bunch of his prints to put on the first floor to so that when people say, oh, I just came to St. Louis, what can you? where can you tell me to go? These are How all... About- Ted Drews. Right. Ted How Drews about, you know, or right. The Loop or all those places that we all love that are little secrets, St. Louis joys. And you guys seem to do that. You put a little of the city, a little of the flavor of the time into the places that you renovate. You do the same thing, I'm going to guess, in Iowa. I've not been up to your folks, up your places up in so, Iowa. So the current, which is in a Daniel Burnham building in Davenport, Iowa, mm-hmm has over a 1,000 pieces of original art from regional artists and a lot of local artists. That's great. That is our, tremendous. Our signature partnership there is with Hot Glass, who's, it's a, a glass-blowing studio, mm-hmm. whose mission it is to give disabled veterans and at-risk youth a sense of self-worth. Wow. So the only art we actually sell is made by disabled veterans or at-risk youth. Wow. And every cent of whatever a guest would pay for that art goes to the artist. That's cool. Which, of course, enhances the sense of self-worth, so we help with the mission, so So to speak. So if I went over to the Seven Gables and I saw this painting on the wall in a room where... I'm I'm sure (laughs) Vern would actually commission one for you. (laughs) Or so would Andy Cross. And the furniture that you have there, what, what else... Talk a little bit about the vibe of the furniture that you did to upgrade over there at Seven Gables. I think it's just to make it, look, Seven Gables is never going to be a huge hotel. We're not going to have the giant fitness center and the coffee bars and all that kind of stuff. So everything we did at Seven Gables is leaning towards comfort to make people comfortable to make them happy i always say we want it to be like cheers where you walk in the door and everybody goes hey norm it's that place right where if you've stayed with us a couple of times we're gonna know your name we're gonna know what kind of drink you know your in. story yeah <laughs> yeah and so everything in there is focused around just making people happy and comfortable so for example in most hotels if you're an elite guest or whatever they put a bottle of wine in your room or some fruit and cheese right And at Seven Gables, we do chocolate chip cookies, right? And milk. Because cookies and milk. Who doesn't like that? And it's fresh made by the chef. Yeah. Grandma's recipe. 
Yeah. And so that's the whole goal of Seven Gables is to be a place where you feel like you're coming home. So a place where you could go for like a weekend getaway. Mm-hmm. Hint, hint, Valentine's Day. Yes. Oh, yeah. If there are some exactly. openings left. <laughs> or maybe you want to celebrate a nice uh, anniversary or just get yeah. away, stay your... Yep. A day trip kind of deal. And then we do a lot of weddings. We do a lot of rehearsal dinners. And we have that beautiful courtyard. Mm -hmm. And it's such a lovely, intimate place for an outdoor wedding or rehearsal dinner or any kind of party, really. It's so beautiful out there. And we just we keep trying to improve on that property and make it a place where people want to come again and again. So you talked about food near and dear to my heart and my stomach. But what you got a chef making chocolate chip cookies. I, I, I love warm chocolate chip cookies. It's making my mouth water right now. But obviously there's a restaurant there and mm-hmm. open for breakfast, lunch, dinner. Talk a little bit about that and the chef. Yep. Open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And actually the chef's uh, bread pudding recipe, which is, again, his grandmother's recipe, is absolutely Ooh. phenomenal. Ooh. So that's Definitely have the bread pudding. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> okay. Chef Mike is amazing. But, and But we also have a segment of the menu that we call the Lost Classics. And it's, it's, from, it's recipes from restaurants that no longer exist. Mm. So we, we rotate different mm-hmm. stuff in there. Last summer we had the Parkmore onion rings. We oh, yeah. had the Remy's polenta fries. Mm. We had, so we have different stuff on there. My, my dream is to figure out a way to get the fatted calf's uh, burger on there someday. So maybe this summer we'll figure out a way to get the fatted calf's burger on the so menu. So c- could I go to dinner there, or do I need to be a guest there to oh, eat Oh, no, 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 no. It's open to the public. Okay, yeah. okay. We we have people in all the time for lunch and dinner, and it's just, it's so fun to do St. Louis classic things, mm-hmm. and, and I think our chefs find it fun to explore those things. It always makes me think of Johnny Rabbit, just because he <laughs> loves St. Louis. He used to always write all those books about St. Louis, and I used to think, oh, those are places that... I remember it from my childhood, you know, that you that have gone away or people have retired. And so you want to celebrate those things. I remember drinking coffee very late at night at the Parkmore. And the group, we would go there and hang out. And that's all we could afford at the time. Or at the (laughs) U-City Loop, we'd go to the Varsity Theater. And there was a big uh, special deal. DQ was across the street. And they sold this special. I think it was like two bucks or three bucks you got a meal deal and then you got a ticket to the movie but that dates me um, with, i worked with, at that dairy queen did you really that was that was a that great that was a long time ago but i worked at that yeah, dairy it was queen. that was uh we're talking 70s there folks early 70s yeah when that was going on but I, the other thing i was going to say was what you should also try is our brunch because we have a brunch on saturdays and sundays okay what time does and that start Amy? 9 a.m okay and, and it's a real brunch. It's a plated brunch. It's not like one of those all-you-can-eat buffet places, yeah. but we have, like, Wonderful. amazing brunch right. stuff. So How late does it go? Till uh, 2. 2, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, good. so from 9 to 2. So if you're an early riser, you can go, and if you're a late riser, you can right, go. You can go, too. Okay. And I'm reading here 32 guest rooms. Yes. Correct. To be able to, are they fairly large? How do they compare to somebody so, walking into a regular hotel room? So we are not a cookie-cutter Hotel. We are, almost every room is different from okay. the next one. The smallest one I want to say is probably around 350 square feet, and the largest one is like 800 square feet. Wow! And we have everything in between, and the ones on the top floors, of course, have the gables, and so they're very interesting rooms because okay. of that. Okay, and it's part of it's not a quote unquote 
chain, or is it a chain? Or explain so, that a little bit. I was a little confused about that. So uh, we were early members of the autograph collection, which Marriott went to all the large independent owners in, in the country and said, hey, we'd like to bring you in without you losing your character. Mm-hmm. Tribute portfolio was Star Wars' answer to Marriott's autograph collection. Okay. But then Marriott bought oh. Starwood. Okay. So now Tribute is a Marriott brand, but it's what they call a soft brand. So it's not like a Marriott or a Hampton Inn or a, one of those. Okay. It's uh, a, we're allowed to pretty much do anything we want. So if you're, if, for example, if you're a Hampton, you are required by Hilton to buy your food from one vendor. We, on the other hand, can actually buy our food from 150 different vendors, all local. We don't have to buy from the U.S. foods of the world. And so that way, we can actually spend our money in the local economy. That makes more sense. And recycle that yeah. that money here right. in St. Louis. Right. Because, of course, every dollar gets recirculated seven times. So at Hotel St. Louis, which is an autograph collection, mm-hmm. in 2019, we actually spent more than $5 million in the local economy buying our crackers from Lydia's house, mm-hmm. the shelter for Buying our butter from Peevely Dairy, buying our, our eggs from Buttonwood Farms, our right. chicken from Buttonwood Farms, micro- tomatoes from Tony's Tomatoes. Mm. So by spending $5 million in the local economy, we actually gave the St. Louis region a $35 million boost. That makes more sense to me, that kind of ability to do that, to invest back in the local economy than it sends money somewhere else out of state to some, I don't want to say in a bad way, some corporate group that... Exactly. That they're just exactly, and given our mission is to strengthen the local community right. and enhance the quality of life for the local community, right. those two goals would be very hard for us to fulfill if we were just buying everything out of Minnesota or whatever. So right, that, that which really work. which takes me to this. I love this how you use this word repurpose and urban husbandry. That's a great use of that word. It's a real twist and turn on it. It made me maybe stop and think how is that kind of formulated? We lived it for the last 30 33 years. Urban husbandry <laughs> is exactly what you think about with animal husbandry. It's right. it's being there day after day and minding and tending and trying to make sure that when you're working in a neighborhood that you're not just we're not just rehabbing a building, but we're also trying to help the neighborhood. We're also trying to make things happen. For example, right now we're working because we have buildings downtown and because we want to help downtown, working on a special use district for downtown, which makes it harder for predatory businesses like payday loans and lawn shop and pawn shops to come down there and locate down there. And different things like that that we feel like will support the neighborhood and right. keep the neighborhood going. But I do want to say, in, to Marriott's favor, Marriott is a great company to work with. And so with, with one of their boutique hotels, like an autograph or a tribute, you get points. You get your free breakfast if you're that kind mm-hmm. of member. You get all the benefits, but you also get the benefit of supporting a local economy. So it's a win-win. The best of both worlds there. Right. You get your points. And you all can spend that money locally and really help the local economy out. Exactly. That's great. Which is which is our mission. It would be hard for us to be in the hotel business if we couldn't do it that way, which is why we don't own other, which would preclude us from doing it. Let me ask you this. Over the course of the time that you've been involved, Restoration St. Louis, how hard has it been to keep the focus on that mission? I know sometimes people, it moves, it wavers a little bit, or the mission changes and 
or different personnel come on and maybe steer your thoughts? How hard has that been to keep it like that? So we formulated this mission in the early mm-hmm. So we've had the same mission since then, and almost every development business decision that we make is colored by that mission. Mm-hmm. It has to fit within the mission or typically we'll say no. Though I always, I keep telling my staff all the time, hey, if we see a highly profitable we should do it because it'll support the mission if we have money. But you're right. It's it's not an easy mission. And we've gotten some pushback from um, some people about the fact that back in the 90s, we put neglected neighborhoods right. in. No one wants to, to believe that they live in a neglected neighborhood, neglected community. So probably not the best choice of words with today's, in terms of political correctness today. But in the 90s, no one thought twice about talking about neglected neighborhoods. Correct. Correct. In fact, we probably got redlined for our mission. <laughs> Could be, but the results are what are what you see. The results are the important thing, in my opinion. That's a great thing. We've been talking to Amrit and Amy Gill. They are repurposing an urban husbandry, if, if there is such a word like that, communities within the, the metropolitan area. I mentioned the Grove. You've got the Hotel St. Louis downtown. You've done some things, the old Barden Hire. You've done some things. The Gate, Loop, the Gate neighborhood, Gate neighborhood near, near Cardinal Glennon, right? As well, Skinka de Balwa was one of our earlier neighborhoods. The Loop was our very first neighborhood that we were involved in. These things, folks, they don't happen just all of spur of the moment. They have a lot of thought, a lot of planning, and a lot of love because you obviously don't do this. If you didn't like what you were doing, you wouldn't be doing it. I can tell you that because when you do it very well, and Thank kudos you. to Thank you. you. Got to have passion. Humility, and you have to persevere. That's that's great. Yeah, and it, it's it's fun too. It is a lovely thing to be doing things that your kids can be proud of. I I think that has been something that's driven us is that we're doing something that our kids could be proud of. That our kids can say we helped with that. We because like they my my daughter's she was a busboy at Seven Gables all summer, <laughs> so they've all been a part of it. Maybe the next Danny Meyer. That would be amazing. She's got to graduate high school and go to college first. But <laughs> it's amazing what things like that how they lead people to other kinds of ventures down the road, and uh, how you all got involved with that. Maybe that's a conversation for another time. What was that initiating kind of moment for you? Were, you? were you working with someone who gave you that vision, or was that self-developed between the two of you? Or? It was just living in the loop and driving past these vacant, boarded-up buildings continuously and wondering what we could do to make the place where we live better, our community, a little bit better. That was the initial impetus. Well, the community right. has been a great beneficiary of your vision and your ambitious projects and and what has come out of them. So thank you very much for what you do. Seven Gables in, folks. Check it out in Clayton. You want to do that. We appreciate you listening to this episode of St. Louis in Tune. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast to keep up on all of the latest episodes. St. Louis in Tune is produced in cooperation with KWRH 92.9 FM and Motif Media Group. For St. Louis in Tune, I'm Arnold Stricker.